You're going to hit us with a truth bomb. A little bit of a truth bomb, but it's a very lame truth bomb. As many of our listeners, I'm sure, and you, I have been a little bit bored of things to do in this world that we live in with very yeah. few things to do with interaction with people. Mm-hmm. Might I suggest an activity to those of you out there, yourself included? Right. I did it this weekend. And it is picking up garbage on the side of the road. It is outside. You get the sun, you get your fresh air, you get your exercise, and there is no chance of anybody coming near you. Is that an annual thing now? I remember you did it. It is an annual thing in my mind because every time I start getting on my bike to get out there, I see how terrible we are to this planet. Oh, we're awful. Every time we go anywhere, there's garbage all over the place. And I'll always stop and pick it up and throw it in the garbage. Yeah. And for Earth Day, Mox is downstairs playing with his little friend. And we went downstairs, tell him to come in. And they're picking up garbage. I guess they got the idea from school. And I was so proud of them. Nice. I was like, you do that more often, not just on Earth Day. Yeah, I kind of feel like, you know what, just be the change you want you see the garbage we know it's terrible and especially this is a big thing Kelowna is now going to run a test on its water for how much microplastic is in the lake oh yeah which is first and foremost like something that they don't want to know because if you know then you have to do something about it yeah that was a big thing when we're living in Shore Park if you remember that dad attended a city council meeting somebody said they wanted a test done of the air quality And the city council literally said, okay, so we get that test done and it comes back bad. Then what? (laughs) Because if you know something sucks, you have to fix it. Yeah. When you see that and you see all the garbage in the ditches, all that garbage in the ditches ends up in your body of water. It just does. Yeah. So be the change you want. Eventually out into the ocean. Yeah. Be the change you want. It's more fun, actually, than you would expect, especially if you got a good podcast on, like Journey to the Fringe. Yeah, and very satisfying, I would imagine, seeing how much garbage you picked up. Yeah, four full bags in an hour and a half. So Wow, that's a lot. It's both rewarding and kind of disgusting. But with that, we're not going to pressure you into anything. You do what you want, and we are going to start this show. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on our journey to the fringe. Welcome back to Journey to the Fringe, the only podcast with a 17-minute guarantee. That's right. If we do not get our information into your lovely ears within 17 minutes, it's free. Now, with that out of the way, we are continuing on with our mysterious island portion of our deep dive. This time, we're getting real with it. These are (laughs) islands that have stories about them, myths, weird folklore, but most importantly, they actually do exist this time around. I yeah, do believe Chelsea and I of this up. Yeah, take our word on this for we do not cite our sources anywhere. <laughs> Chelsea has gone a more paranormal way with this. I have something I've stumbled across a couple years ago and I really want to talk about it. But let's Chelsea, I'll let you start this off. Yeah, we're going over to Europe for Poveglia Island. I've heard this pronounced a few ways. I'm going with the way I'm comfortable, which is more than likely the wrong way. Poveglia. This is an island off of Venice, and it has a fairly long, important history, which I was surprised by. It's a small island located between Venice Island and Lido Island in the Venetian Lagoon. There is a canal that divides the island into two separate parts. The island is super old by my standards, anyhow, (laughs) and Canada's standards. Yeah. There's a saying that I love about this. In North America, 100 years is a long time. And in Europe, 100 kilometers is far away. Yeah, I like that. That's accurate. So the the islands first mentioned being populated in 1421. And in reading through the history, I did think to myself, why of all places would someone want to settle on a small island like this? As I would think about Venice. I mean, it is a beautiful island, but doesn't it seem... It's a beautiful island now. (laughs) Yeah. Would you want to settle there? Probably not. Oh, Just God, to- no. And But to be fair, that's like half of the Netherlands. Yeah. They're There's both kind of, of half underwater. Yeah. And they've had to like dam up so much just to stay above water. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyhow, it seems a little risky to me. In the history of this island, the answer is that the residents of mainland Italy fled as refugees after barbarians stormed the Apennine Peninsula in the 5th century. I kind of did some Googling on what a barbarian was, and I had no idea that a barbarian... Oh, man, I love barbarians. Yeah, it's anyone who was not a citizen of Rome and did not speak Latin. So it was anyone going against the Romans, which I guess there were a lot of barbarians. Yeah, mostly Germanic tribes. But the whole reason is because when they heard people speak from Germanic tribes, they thought they really sounded like they're saying bar, 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 bar. Because that's apparently a lot of the like language that they use. I like that. A lot of tests also in these days were performed on barber monkeys, which I forget what we call them now. But, a barber um, monkey? Yeah, and it's basically saying like these are uncivilized humans. Barber monkey. I want to know what that is. I, oh, what's it called? It's a given. A it's a given. A There's a picture of a monkey with a red beret that comes up. Oh, good. <laughs> Not sure who that is. I'm just going to keep reading. So I'm learning lots of history here. I didn't know that's what a barbarian is. So then another wave of essentially refugees came in the 8th century from Padua and Este, which were destroyed by the Lombard tribes. Lots of people coming and fleeing as refugees from northern Italy onto this island. And these new residents also settled numerous other islands in the Venetian lagoon, essentially to get away from wars being fought. The reasons for the popularity of Poveglia checkout. The population steadily grew in population and importance I was even given a governing body for the area. So it was actually a fairly important island in the early times. And it's actually, it reminds me a lot of several groups in North America that basically moved because they weren't wanted in certain areas. And they said, well, no one would surely ever want to live in this area. One of them being the Cajuns into Louisiana. Do you know what who the Cajuns are? Yeah, they're are, the Acadians. You're the, the Acadians. And then um, the other one is the Mormons into Utah. Both of them are going oh, into like, yeah, they're both going to places that no one would ever want to live. And then just populations eventually reach them. Yeah, I didn't actually know that about the Acadians until I was going to school. And yeah. I was like, hey, I, we're Acadian. How did we get to stay Yeah, in Canada when everyone kicked them out? Yeah, there's a split. And it's basically which side of the border you're on. And when you really look at it, like Acadian and Cajun really are the same word just slightly yeah. pronounced differently yeah anyhow some more history for everybody listening the residents eventually fled warfare even on the island itself of paveglia and in 1379 after venice came under attack from the genoan fleet and the paveglians were moved to judica an island in the venetian lagoon in 1527 the dodge offered the island to the camel Dolese monks who refused. They didn't want the island. <laughs> Can you imagine six- turning down a free island? I'm not sure why. It didn't say why they turned it down. Because at this point, it doesn't have any of the... It has no amenities. Like, it's a swamp. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Essentially. From 1645 on, the Venetian government built five octagonal forts to protect and control the entrances of the lagoon. And the Paveglia octagon is one of four that still stands. Then in 1776, the island comes under jurisdiction of the public health office being used as a checkpoint for goods and people coming and leaving Venice by ship, which is a fairly important Part in its history. In 1793, there were several cases of the plague on ships, so at this point it was transformed into a temporary confinement station for victims of the plague. Um, and sorry, which, which plague was this? This is the 1640s, so that is... This is 1776. So oh. by my research, it's still bubonic plague. The Black Death went through Europe a lot. So, and that's where I kind of found some things because... Black Death goes back way further than 1776, I found. Well, and I always find it interesting because there are a lot of plagues that end up being syphilis, which I find when that plague goes through towns, it gets really interesting because what a lot of people do is bring in the army to stop it. And the army is young males. Yeah. 
who don't exactly stop syphilis. So just looking at plagues through Europe, honestly, we could do an entire episode on that just because it is really fun to look at. I don't know if it'd be considered fringe, though. Well, it could be. I mean, that's not a well-known fact. So bubonic plague, if Black Death, if I Google it, it comes up as 1346. Yeah, yeah, that's it's coalitens really well with the fall of the uh, Mongolian Empire. And that's because they had set up such a very good network of trade that could be done instantaneous by their standards. And it came from uh, the Yellow River Basin, the Yangtze River. Because of that, it basically spread all the way from China all the way over into Europe, where the Mongolian Empire ended right around Germany. And it continued mm-hmm. spreading there and killed a third of Europe. So, yeah, like if you want to talk numbers, this one, Black Death killed more people than anything. It's like the world's deadliest. Yes, but it, it has to do with the time it coincided with. Yes. From what I can tell, this is bubonic plague, Black mm. Death. And um, sorry, just one thing to quickly add to that. The bubonic plague still does happen every now and then in our modern world. I believe, yeah, a couple years ago in Madagascar, they had a few cases. Yeah. It's just that it is incredibly treatable these days. It's pretty disgusting, too. I would not recommend Googling it. Oh, God, no. Looking at pictures. It's like it affects the lymph nodes and they turn black and then they can like explode yeah there's and a reason it's it called the black your limbs black uh, it's not good to google don't do yeah, it that one in smallpox just don't google yeah i haven't googled smallpox and i won't yeah so yeah this is the time frame that i have for when they start quarantining ships from the plague however it doesn't correspond with that original black death of 1300 so not sure i i can't really confirm that one so 1793 that's when some plague victims were coming in on ships and so under napoleon bonaparte actually he makes it a permanent picture for ships to quarantine here before their entry into venice yeah napoleon also comes in around this time. Well, um, and sorry, this is where the term quarantine comes from, correct? It is, yeah. Because the term quarantine means you have to, you can't come in for 40 days. Is that what? Sorry, I need to look familiar. this one up. Because I did read that somebody had a diary of quarantining yeah. here from a ship. The root word for quarantine comes from the mid 17th century, uh, and it's Italian for 40 days. Yeah. So this would be literally where Got the it. first quarantines happen, where your ship has to sit out once it gets there for 40 days to show that everybody's healthy on board. Yeah. So this is where they're first doing it. So Napoleon comes in. Napoleon destroyed one of the churches that was built on the island and converted the bell tower into a lighthouse. And he also used the island to store weapons and using it as an armory for French troops. 1793 to 1814 was officially the years the island was used as a quarantine station for the plague after several cases arriving from the ships. Napoleon was quarantining the ships. 1793, this is officially being used for people to go quarantine. Yeah, basically, if you had if you had this disease, you are sanctioned to go over there. And if you survived, you could come back. But if you don't... I don't know how many people actually came back from this, though. Yeah, and this is unfortunately a very common practice throughout the world for the next 150 years or so. I'm sure most people have heard that Hawaii, at least some of the islands around Hawaii, were were quarantine stations for leprosy. Oh, yes. I have heard that. I actually... So they were leopard colonies. And you would actually have a ceremonial coffin burial with your family before you were sent off to the leopard colony but you would stand in this coffin and they would put dirt on you because they need to accept that you're dead and you would leave and eventually you would die on this leopard colony island i mean what are the odds of coming back if you're being sent to an island leprosy basically no chance not just only that but like the plague or something like that with the plague there is a chance of surviving the black death yeah i can't remember what it is and then um 
I, even you live near Vancouver. Vancouver had a smallpox colony. What? Yeah. What's island the aquarium's on? Stanley Park. Yeah. Stanley Park, the island there, was a smallpox colony in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, where if you got smallpox, it would send you there to die. Hmm. Interesting. So this is very much so not an isolated case of an island where people were sent to to just kind of die because they had a plague. I mean, islands are a popular choice for that kind of thing. Yeah. And if you notice, the countries that are doing best in COVID tend to be island countries. There are other ones that I would argue that are doing well also because they have a community-based approach to things, but that's completely outside of what we're talking about. So we're going to leave that there. (laughs) Yeah. So residents of Venice would have been dragged from their homes under the slightest suspicion of the bubonic plague. It was the bubonic plague. Good. Phew. (laughs) Loaded in the ships (laughs) ships bound for Poveglia Island. So this could be like anyone who had a vendetta for somebody. You didn't like your neighbors. Just kidding. But... I mean, well, that could be the truth. But if anyone suspected you of being sick, you would be off ship to this island. I would imagine the hysteria would have set in somewhat when they're saying these things. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at everything now. This was killing way more people than COVID did. So Higher percentage. It's killing about the same amount over. Mm, I don't know about that, but I don't. Europe's not that populated. Um, like the so world's then, population didn't reach a billion until the 1800s. True, true. Yeah, I did not take that into account. So then, in 1922, the existing buildings were converted into an asylum for the mentally ill, and then so this is after the plague, obviously. So 1922, after it's been used and done with as a quarantine island for the sick of the plagues, the existing buildings were converted into an asylum for the mentally ill and then used as a nursing home slash long-term care facility until the island's full closure in 1968. They say that they closed the mental, the asylum before having a nursing home, but there is evidence that it was coinciding at the same time and by the Um, way i do feel we should be using the term sanitarium both because it's a fun word to say and it's apt in this situation yeah i probably won't remember that because i specifically wrote asylum okay (laughs) so (laughs) um as we can imagine many people sent here wouldn't be considered ill by our standards today obviously mental health has come a long way in most recent years reason somebody might have been sent to the what was the word again a sanitarium sanitarium include depression homosexuality bipolar disorder etc basically anyone considered not normal by society at the time and just so that we're clear this is not just a practice that is prevalent in europe or uh, italy at this time or just venice oh no um this is the 1960s um jfk is probably president about the time that it closed jfk had a sister who was lobotomized because she was quote unquote uppity Mm -hmm. that lobotomies were a very popular thing yeah yeah basically because she was pro-feminist i guess in the 60s she was Mm. uh sorry it wouldn't have happened in the 60s it would have happened in the 50s but she was lobotomized no particular mental issue and i honestly don't know if lobotomies still take place today or not but they were handed out like uh, party favors back in the 50s and previous yeah it's pretty crazy and then as with any asylums and hospitals of the time the isolation and secrecy of these establishments allowed doctors to perform horrific medical procedures probably more along the lines of torture than medical procedure at these days often performed without anesthetic which the lobotomy was included and i was just listening to a podcast actually the other day about someone who gave lobotomies and it would have it might have even been the person that came up with the lobotomy and the person that came up with it was just a psychopath and they often use no anesthetic or anything like that they just went in up the nose with like a steel rod and to be fair there wouldn't be any pain sensors on the brain so if you're looking at it simply from that point of view it wouldn't be something that hurts at least from a scientific point of view I have no idea if it hurts. I don't know if they ever bothered to ask somebody who had a lobotomy done if it hurts. I mean, how would 
a person who had a, received a lobotomy know at the point after it's been done well, to have enough thought to tell you? I don't know. I, people who have had lobotomies done do still have cognitive function. They can still interact. They can have still you talk. You I have not, no. But for the most part, their their personality changes significantly. The, um, their IQ doesn't drop to like uh, invalid levels. I mean, you are taking a part of their brain. Yeah, but it's it's a very specific part of the brain. And it's basically what they considered the part that had anger in it. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Oh, anyhow... <laughs> Now it sits vacant of humans, and it's uh, illegal to visit. That is Poveglia. And since it was closed, there were plans to use the island for tourism purposes. So one time, not one time, but Italy was broke. And they did come up with the idea to auction it off for a 99-year lease. And it was to remain state property. And then later, there are many plans to develop restaurants, parks, hostels, and however, there was never any traction and it's just remained to be lonely. The 99-year lease, somebody did get it. It was for like 400 and some thousand euros. That really? They yeah. And then it ended up, it was somebody who ran for mayor of Venice. That Italy said no after he put forth his plans because they didn't like what he was doing with it. And he was in the process of suing them. And anyhow, he ended up backing out once he started getting into the politics and ran for, I think it was mayor, it was something political. And he did end up getting elected, never pursuing the proper sources. He went for the next best island. Yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> then there was some tourist things that they wanted to develop. Just nothing ever went through with it. And there's, I mean, there's just shady accounts of what was going on on the island. Generally, it's thought that it's haunted. Locals won't talk about it for fear that it brings bad luck. They do say at one point criminals were executed there by, by drowning. I couldn't confirm that. The actual haunting accounts of Poveglia are very shady just because of its sordid history. Buildings that currently make up the island include a cavana, which is a shelter for boats, a church, a hospital, an asylum, a bell tower slash lighthouse from what our friend Napoleon did, which is the most visible building from afar, and it dates back to the 12th century and once belonged to the church, obviously. A housing and administrative building for staff, and a plague pit, or aka plague field, which most good islands have them, which is the word on the street, and we just talked about from a 100- And sorry, just so that we can all be clear... If you're ever looking for a home on the on an island, to make sure it's a reputable island, you need to ask where the plague pit and or field is. Yeah, exactly. Estimates range from 100,000 to 160,000 people died on the island and were buried in the plague pits. However, I could not confirm that. There is an island close by where I also saw that most of the plague victims were buried. Whether or not it's on this island or one of the close by islands is up for debate. Like I said, the island's kind of shrouded in mystery. I would assume that there's a lot period here that people don't really like talking about as a part of history or maybe they do i don't know i mean it's an interesting part of history there is another rumor that the soil is about 60 percent human ash which again is um, highly fertile yeah well they do have vineyards on the island as well no way yeah <laughs> So, which leads me to believe it's probably not 60% human ash. And if you are drinking those wines, they are haunted. So, be wary. This, I mean, you read a lot of reports where some people were just taken right to the island with the plague and were thrown right into the plague pits today. And, I mean, a lot of stories like that you can't confirm, right? They're just out there because this is supposedly one of the world's most haunted islands. So, this was named after a mass burial of the victim after three waves of the epidemic so one in 1348 the 1348 didn't didn't necessarily impact this island it just impacted all of europe 
Yeah. Uh, another one in 1570, and then 1630, which killed over 5,500 residents of Venice. Many victims were burned in the northern part of the island, and remains were transported here to the plague field, and some were not burned, which we can tell by skeleton remains. And like I said, there were suspicions that some were simply thrown into the pit alive, just for natural course of the bubonic plague to take the person, I guess, take a step out. Another kind of urban legend of the island is that due to erosion of the island, bones are commonly found in fishing nets of local fishermen nearby, so you're very unlikely to spot any fishermen here nowadays, which is speculation. With all that being said, I was left rather underwhelmed. It has a really rich, interesting history through the world. And fantastic records kept. Yeah, by me. Yeah. Given its sorted history and lack of residence, with visiting being illegal and all, there's very little actual reports of hauntings. And it does appear that a few ghost hunting shows did gain permission to film segments, and they dubbed it the most haunted island in the world, giving it its notoriety. And all the actual stories I was able to find appear to be urban legends with nothing that's actually verifiable. Um, And I mean, I would assume there is a lot going on here due to everything thing that I just kind of discussed. However, with no occupants and stepping foot on the island being illegal, there's no chilling encounters to be passed on around and shared. I do have a few of the more notable urban legends of the island that I heard and saw various versions of around the internet. One of the most famous ones I saw is of a doctor who allegedly experimented on patients with crude lobotomies and other inhumane experiments. And there are varying reports of what he was up to included that he wanted to get to the bottom of mentally ill residents who claimed to hear voices and see plague victims. According to various reports, the doctor went mad himself and started to see and hear ghosts and ended up jumping or was pushed depending on what story you're reading, from the bell tower in the 1930s. Some of them say he fell to his death. Some of them say that he fell, did not die, and then was taken by an unknown entity once he reached the bottom. Very many different stories on that one you can read. There's also reports of moans, cries, coughs, and plague victims still roaming the island, and reports of a smell of sulfur and burning wood that emanate from the island. Which we have. I've talked about in several things now, the smell of sulfur. Yes. Just so we can make a note of it again. Yeah. And then witnesses have also reported violent ghosts who have touched, pushed, slapped, and even choked visitors to the island. And there are reports of the bell ringing from the bell tower, even though it was removed years ago. So those are the only actual haunting stories I can find from the island. without. And they are kind of general, very general. They are. uh, Without actually watching any of the ghost hunting shows, and I'm not a huge fan of those ghost hunting shows because honestly any information that's coming out of a ghost hunting show i think we need to just say it's not real evidence because if they had real evidence it wouldn't just be on the ghost show yeah exactly so it's a a sad way to say it but let's be fair it's true yeah it is true it's kind of like if the kardashians did anything of note it wouldn't just be on the kardashians reality tv show true that's my story interesting history and i would like to assume that it's haunted but i couldn't find actually any really creepy stories which i was very sad about that's too bad and that's my story I know. Okay. Well, we're going to move on. Hold on. Hold on. I searched Babar Monkey. (laughs) (laughs) I knew he looked familiar. (laughs) That monkey with the red beret. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is this him? Yeah. Those are barbarian monkeys. (laughs) That's what I thought. (laughs) They're very distinguished. Just like people. Okay. So we're going to go from Venice to, it will make sense, but these are oddly connected places. It's just going to take a while to make that connection. Okay. Okay. Chelsea, I'm going to give you a bit of a rhetorical question, and I just want you to answer it as honestly as possible. Okay, Um, I'll try. You're living sometime i don't know we're not using the same calendar we have now so time's just a vague concept in your mind your highest i don't really know what day it is yeah and your highest technological prowess is a canoe 
You come across an island that is roughly 300 square kilometers, has no potable water on it, no arable farmland on it. What do you do with this island? Use it for criminals. Interesting. The Australia route. Yeah, I think I go the Australia route. Okay. My or, or treasure. Okay. My treasure. Store treasure on it. That's fair. My personal opinion would be let's not use this island. It seems fairly useless. But that is not what happened to this island. So I am talking about an island in a country called Micronesia. Mm-hmm. And the island is known as Pompeii. Not to be confused with the other Pompeii. I was just going to ask. It is a very different Pompeii. There was a volcano on this island about 2 million years ago. That's how it was formed. It is still very much so teeming with people. About 30,000 people live there today. Where is it? Micronesia. So it's about 1,000 kilometers northeast of Papua New Guinea. Okay. So like I said, this island is 26 kilometers long. It is in total about 300 kilometers, 200 miles square of land. It does not have any potable water locations on it. It does not have any known farmland to have ever existed on it. Basically doesn't have a lot of things to do. You wouldn't want to live there. uh, No, I honestly wouldn't. I would love Mm -hmm. to visit it but not for any of the reasons we talked about yet. Uh, It would have fantastic weather, but it also is very drastically changing. It is open to the elements. It is just in the middle of the Pacific Ocean all alone, more or less. Mm -hmm. But why we're talking about this island, because the answer to that question, what do you do with this uninhabitable land, is build a megalithic city. Mm -hmm. The inhabitants of this island decided to build a city. And this is a very rare way of building a city. In fact, it's the only known place in the world this has happened, where they decide to not actually build the city on the island. They, in fact, built the city on the coral reef beside the island. <laughs> and Who are these people building this? We're going to talk about them in a second. This okay. this megalithic city is known as Nan Madal. N-A-N-M-A-D-O-L. And it is roughly two and a half square kilometers large. It is made up of of somewhere right around 100 islets that they built to support the city. It is built out of basalt pillars. So there's a volcano on the north side of the island that created basalt pillars. They're basically, have you ever seen those hexagonal rock formations that look very... They have a very systemic pattern to them that are very long pillars. Yes, but only because I just Googled a picture. Okay. A very well-known one is, I think it's called the Pillars of the Gods or the Pillars of the Giants in Ireland. So on the north side of the island, they have these basalt pillars and they decided, you know what? Let's take these pillars and build log cabins on the southwest side of the island. And they took from the north side to the southwest side what accumulates to about 2 million tons of basalt pillars to build this city. Now, these pillars range, the average size is about 5 metric tons. So just so we're on the same page, that's about 10,000 pounds as the average sized pillar to build this island. Pretty heavy. Yeah, the largest ones being 50,000 tons, or sorry, 50 tons or 100,000 pounds. Keeping in mind that as far as we know, the best technology this society had was a canoe. Okay, so I see where we're going with this. Yeah, 100 islets that they built here. It's two and a half square kilometers of land on coral reefs that they built this on. And they built at least 130 buildings in total. The tallest of these buildings is 14 meters tall or about 50 feet tall. And they built walls the same size and about 17 feet thick to to protect this city from the tide. Hmm. Is it... It's UNESCO. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, yes, and we'll get to that point. The largest of the buildings is called the Tomb of the First King, and it's about 80 meters by 60 meters wide and long and 26 feet tall. And sorry, that's about 262 feet long and 196 feet wide and 26 feet tall. And that's about the size of a soccer field. Mm. Again, built out of basalt pillars that are on average five metric tons that have to be moved 20 kilometers by sea to get there. Mm. Now, the best we know or understand of this, this was built by the Sodler dynasty, and I'm probably butchering how that's supposed to be pronounced. This dynasty was founded in or around the 1100s and went until about the 1640s. 
This was built as a ritualistic village, basically the church of all the islands around. There's a lot of discussion on whether or not the people who built this came from Lelu, which is another megalithic city on the island of Kosre, which is about 600 kilometers east of here. But of this island. Yeah. But after carbon dating, they found that Lelu actually is about 100 years newer than Nanmadal. So that's probably not what happened. It's likely the same makers, but you would have to look at it. It does share some similarities, but Lelu is in the middle of the island. Okay. The Sodelaire dynasty on Pompeii, at most during its reign, had a thousand people living on the island. Keeping in mind, they never had very mysterious. In the 1990s, a team tried to basically show how they would have built this. And they loaded five metric ton basalt slabs onto bamboo raft that they believe would have been used or at least near what they would have used. And it immediately sunk. Yeah. And even my brain knows that. And I'm not a construction. And even like anything. We haven't really had the technology to lift and manipulate a 100,000 pound pillar until very recently. And even then, can we even really do that? in water i don't know like that's the biggest piece like it's super bizarre that this thing exists again there's no written language they as far as we know very rudimentary tools and they rose and fell and basically after that after the 1640s nobody dare set foot anywhere near nanmadal people still lived on the island but they did not set foot near this city why they believe it's haunted and cursed and this is going to come up and are they the ones that tell the oral they're the ones who tell the oral history yes and oh well then i'd be with them i wouldn't be sitting i don't want to go there anymore that's the history of the uh sodalur dynasty then in the 1800s europe gets to this part of the world and uh, this actually does become it's part of the spanish empire more or less the imperial reach of europe and spain does have a big power here because the philippines aren't that far away and that's really i don't know if you know this but the philippines are named after king philip oh i did not know that and that's why they speak tagalog not Mm -hmm. filipino yeah basically that it's yeah we really fucked over the philippines i do apologize for what we did as europeans not gonna i take blame for that even though (laughs) i'm not even though i'm not spanish it just reaches that far we did terrible yeah so the Europeans get there, and what the local king, the term they use is Namorki, he made a proclamation. He said to everybody, basically, that would come there, to disrupt the holy grounds that once belonged to past rulers with supernatural powers would be breaking the law. Time and again, he made it clear that to disturb the hallowed ground that once belonged to the old rulers with supernatural powers meant a legal breach. Time and again, tragedy struck those who defied the ban. In 1874, jewelry and artifacts that were buried with the chiefs were plundered. And the boat of a Polish anthropologist named Jan Kubari, carrying <laughs> artifacts from Nanmadal, was shipwrecked near the Marshall Islands after it departed. And hundreds of crates sank to the bottom of the ocean and we've never found them again. Oh, wow. Then in the 20th century, the Germans bought Pompeii off of the Spanish. So they became the imperialist rulers. Mm-hmm. And it was put under the power of the governor, Victor Berg. He was given the same warning and he disregarded the royal ban and entered Nanmadal. I don't know if this is like confirmed fully, mm-hmm. but he did set foot on Nanmadal April 29th, 1907. So speculation, he opened a sealed tomb and found a coffin of an ancient island ruler. Rumor has it that the inhabitant of this coffin was about three meters tall or about 10 feet tall. In it, he found the skeletal remains of giants measuring two to three meters tall upon his arrival back the next morning. He said Nanmadal was alive with spiritual activity during that night. There was a wild storm with lightning flashes in the sky and torrential rains pounding down on the island. Victor Berg lay in delirium and reported hearing the sounds of a conch shell blowing and seeing floating balls of light. A few hours later on that very same morning on April 30th, 1907, Governor Berg mysteriously died. No cause of death. No cause of death. No cause of death. Natives claims it was because of a curse. Most modern day people will say it's because of something along the lines of sunstroke. So can you can die from sunstroke? Oh yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Especially if you're not used to that kind of warm, humid weather. Okay. The locals there don't even go in Nanmidal. No. They don't do they look at it? 
we'll we'll talk about that once we get there. Okay. So I'm just going through the history. We'll get to okay. the modern day stuff. Around World War One, it was taken over by the Japanese. Hmm. The Japanese controlled it. They reportedly hauled away platinum caskets from a mere location called the House of the Dead under the sea. No. Yeah. Uh, the the J- Japanese did this. Oh yeah, and. This is this they is unfortunately. I was no, thinking better of the, the Japanese. Japanese do not during this time period, and it is historically disregarded how bad the Japanese were from the end of World War One to about the end of World War Two. Hmm. There are still in Korea. There's a big fight about Japan at least acknowledging what they call comfort women, and basically they force women to be prostitutes during World War Two in Korea. Japan completely says they never did it and they pretended it never happened. And Korea is very big on pushing that you need to accept the sins of your past. Yeah. Interesting. So this, this is a hard Japan. part of history to find up much about Japan from Japan. And they're yeah. the only people here. So unfortunately, this is hearsay and it's yeah. really hard to find a first person's account. But they discovered coffins underwater and they opened them up and they apparently found large pieces and quantities of platinum and suddenly the main export of pompeii to japan which before was vanilla copper sago and mother of pearl and it became the valuable white metal platinum one day two members of the blasphemous mission to the house of the dead vanished because of all this stuff that's going on those the japanese died there they kind of stopped digging but because of all this history that we just talked about there's very few artifacts left to actually find in nanmadal what the hell, Japan? What yeah. did they build out of that? Well, platinum's used for a lot of things. It also is a luxury metal. I couldn't speculate. I would assume some sort of weapon of war. Ugh. Yeah, that's the interactions that they've had. After that, it did get involved in World War II in the Pacific Theater. And in fact, apparently, if you go visit Pompeii in the main city, there is still the body of a Japanese tank just sitting there <laughs> that you can see. So that would be really cool. From Alliance planes flying over this island, they saw Nanmadal. It got the reputation of being known as the Venice of the Pacific. Hmm. So that's the connection there <laughs> that we finally got to. Okay, good. I'm glad it finally connects. Yeah. And you can, in fact, go there and go take a trip to Nanmadal if you were to fly to Pompeii. And it's really weird because there is an entire web page about it on the National Park Services of the U.S. And that's because Micronesia falls under the protection of U.S. military. And Nanmadal is considered a national park of the U.S. What? And you can take a flight from Hawaii and it just it's a bunch of mini flights that go to all these little islands and pawn pays on it and you can go for a couple hours just check out Mamadal. it sounds like you should oh yeah here it is it sounds like you shouldn't go there so it is very hard to actually find somebody on the island who will take you to Nanmadal. there's two ways to get there there is a road system now and you can get to Nanmadal from the road system at low tide you still have to walk through water to get there but it's less water by the way you do need the permission of the Namwarki to actually go to Nanmadal. And then you can either go there with a guide by car, or you can get somebody to take you by boat there. Go there to are the very few people that will take you there, and apparently it's quite expensive to get a guide. And even with these people accepting to take you, they will not take you at nighttime. Mm-hmm. If you are there near nightfall, they will say, Kate, it's time to leave can't be here anymore yeah and to this day locals still tell tale of seeing balls of light coming from nanmadal and hearing echoes of voices coming from there so people still live on this island yeah about thirty thousand people live on the island oh that's more than i would have thought their story passed down orally through time is that their island was visited by two wizards from a far-off land by the <gasps> name of wizards yes michael scott no, just kidding. It's not Michael Scott. Olisipa <laughs> and Olisopa. They're two brothers that were very large comparatively to them. Mm-hmm. And they built Nanmadal. And they built it through levitation and the help of a dragon. Mm. It usually is levitation. Though, it is it? usually levitation. And this reminds yeah. me a lot of Coral Castle as well. We're yeah. talk about it at a later date. Olisipa died and Olisopa found a wife on the island. 
he had an heir to the throne and created a linear chain of 12 dynasties that ruled over the island until the downfall mm. happened. And that is what historians consider the Sotalor dynasty. Mm. Now, sure. they don't believe the whole part about the wizards, but they do believe the Sotalor dynasty. Well, I mean, I believe in the yeah. wizards. Who else could have built this? Yeah. <laughs> now, Obviously, um, you would need to be a wizard. Carbon dating has put Nanmadal to have been built around the 1100s. There are very many contentious arguments about whether or not that is correct. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, when they're saying that's not correct, will say, and sorry, this is thorium uranium dating, which is used for coral. It's not always the best to use depending on what type of coral you have. But unfortunately, I kind of ran out of time on learning about thorium uranium dating. I know. Sometimes your research thing. takes you in a way that it's better just not to waste your time yeah. on <laughs> So then I just go, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that's big about this whole thing, and we've talked about this before, locals are very apprehensive to open up about the history of Nanmadal. They don't like to share it, and it's partly because of the curse. And then the other part, you just can't really know why somebody doesn't want to tell you something. Maybe everybody that's gone and asked is an asshole. We don't know. Yeah. They probably are, at least up until the 1980s. Going by what I know, I would say yes. (laughs) Yeah. But I don't know that they're not assholes yet. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're nice enough. There's 30,000 of them. One of them has to be nice. I mean, this started funny because I was like, why would they just build this on an island, first of all, that has... Nothing. Nothing. And then not only do they not build it on the island, they build it on a coral reef by the island. It is considered the only megalithic city that wasn't built on land. Like, that's funny, first of all, because who would do that under any, like, sort of reasoning? But then I like the turn that it took. It's haunted. And protected. Yeah, it's haunted. <laughs> protected, yeah. baby. And um, there is still ongoing research into this. Like, really, the the archaeological and geological research into Nanmadal didn't start until about the 1970s. It's still ongoing. And it is. Sorry, one thing I never mentioned that I think is important to talk about now. It's been untended since the 1600s. So it is covered in what's called mangroves. And those are forests that grow on the very shallow ocean ocean waters mm-hmm. so it does not look inhabitable at this point and it's covered in forest was it inhabited at one point did this oh dynasty- yeah during its reign they lived in it those thousand lived people in lived in it and then whatever happened during that war there are tales of this warrior that rose up from a nearby island but it's really hard to say what happened mm-hmm. they just completely disregarded it and will not tell anybody about it anymore mm. The most recent LiDAR scan was done. So LiDAR is basically, it's a deeper radar that lets you kind of know what's hidden beneath lighter vegetations. Shows that at one point they did have irrigation systems within the city. So they would have had potable water in Nanmadal. Maybe that's why. Maybe it had to be on the coral for them to be able to do that. Maybe, but that's, it's the whole weird thing. And while doing some research into this, I did see one proposal that Nanmadal does predate the Great Flood. So antediluvian or younger Dryas period, this would have been in one of those prime locations for a greater landmass for when it was. And they kind of basically said it makes a lot of sense for this to be built prior to water being there. True. And even and they even dated it to be pointed towards Magnetic North, which at the time that they're proposing it would have been built would have been when True North was in the Hudson Bay. Very mysterious. Yeah. And to this day, they have not proposed any way that they put those basalt pillars on top of each other. And even read that UNESCO. It, it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Read that article. It, it does not give one damn explanation about how they actually built it. And yeah, it it's the same those, with the national parks. It's one of those things that they can't recreate. Just like we weren't able to recreate the pyramids, right? No. And there are so many different explanations for the pyramids that it's hard to really say which one you're, we're talking about at the point that they try to recreate it. I do agree. At least the consensus at this point is the pyramids were not built by slaves, but a specialized group of tradespeople that in fact were buried near their work of art. Yeah. And so specialized that we like have we no can't knowledge even do it at this point. Yeah. But at the same time, trades like that would become superfluous at a certain point, And be not necessary and we would forget that trade 
This place is crazy. But this just makes no damn sense. And it is, as far as I'm concerned, cursed. Well, I'm going with all the to evidence. To the point that the locals don't even advertise it as a place they want people to come visit. It's not a tourist destination. It's just kind of yeah. something that's there. And at this point in human history, we exploit everything. Yeah. The oh, the cursed city, Nan Madal. So... That is Nan Madal. I highly encourage anybody, if you do want to check this out, go check out the National Parks of the U.S. website because they do explain the vacation that you can take hopping islands from there in Guam. Unfortunately, it would not include Easter Island because that is a territory of Chile. So if you want to go yeah. to Easter Island, you need to go to Chile. And that is also a different group that we're talking about. That's the Rapa Nui's on Easter Island. And I would love to do an episode on Easter Island just because most people don't even yeah. know that they're more than just heads. They in fact have bodies below them. That's where I leave off. There is very little in concrete answers to this. The only thing that I would say can't be corroborated necessarily is my talk about the Japanese on this island, but I have no reason to discredit what they're saying in there. And there are so several much people what who agree with that. Into that we just can't. There's only so much we can find after looking yeah. at various sources. We do yeah. our best, as we've always said. And I have never heard somebody tell anything more than what I just explained to all of you. I have watched and learned much about this in about three years because I find this place so bizarre. And Jen's going to be very upset because I had to make a hard choice between this island and North Sentinel Island. And she loves North Sentinel Island. But <laughs> this one is this one is a fun one. This was a good choice. Plus, it ties our stories together nicely. Yes. So there you have it. Two islands that are real are kind of weird. And oh, sorry. One more thing I should mention. Sure. Do you know what this thing gets connected to a lot? Amelia Earhart. No, Lemuria and or Mu. Mm. It's the last parts of the continent that are above water. It's funny because I didn't see it once when I was looking at <laughs> I saw it in a couple of videos I was watching. They're saying that, and these people who were talking about it said Lemuria and Mu are the same thing. I did see that come up in Lemuria. But it's not. Times, They're very different things. Yeah. But anyhow, that's a, that's another tale for a different day. Thank you all for listening. We both love and appreciate you for yes, putting up with us and just accepting all this knowledge that we're pouring upon you is true. Yeah, except for, well, all of it, obviously, even the stuff we're making up. Just kidding. <laughs> so stay tuned. We're going to take another swing from here. This was just a short vacation onto some nice, mysterious islands. Yeah, since we can't travel anywhere right now, this is as close as anyone's going to get. You're welcome. And I think from here, we're going to go talk a little about the occult now. So thank you all for stopping by. The power of Christ compels you or something yes. along those lines. See you next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. Uh, we are a new podcast and we would very much so appreciate if you could like, subscribe, share and if possible provide a five-star review or some sort of feedback if you feel like there's anything we could be doing better but five-star review is the best thing you can do for us as it does help unfortunately in the world of algorithms yes please and thank you and you can follow us on social media at journey to the fringe we don't have all of them, so try searching it instagram or on facebook right now we have a subreddit and if there's anything you want to hear in the future, feedback, anything, you can email us at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. If there's something we're missing but, uh, that you'd like to see us on, please let us know. We only know what we know. So we're only and in so many places. Also, if you feel that we have gotten anything wrong, please let us know there as well, as we would really like to have the best information possible. We are mm -hmm. only as good as our research. And if you can provide anything further, it's a real help. Or if you want to share anything, we yes. will definitely, we're open to shares. So yes, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.